Sony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. Today's date is February 13th, 2021, and it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. My man, I uh, gotta say, I saw some pictures from your end of the world yesterday, and there was snow on the ground. What's up with that? Well, the snow hasn't left. <laughs> oh. I mean, it snowed back in December, and it hasn't melted yet. It's uh, it's it's been beautiful. I mean, the weather, our temp, daily temperatures have been five or six degrees for probably a couple of weeks, but we had so much snow that. It still hasn't left. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a little unusual for your end of the world to have snow lingering around, but it is. It is. Um, but we had we got a lot of snow in in December. So I mean, we had um, boy by the well by the time I think it's the last snow we had was almost a, a month ago. Um, and that last snowfall was big. Like I had to use my snowblower because um, it was it was so deep. Wow! And uh, um, and the snow was piled up to about five feet high on both sides of my driveway. So um, it was it was pretty good. So with the with the warm weather, it's been melting a lot. And it's down to about two and a half feet high, but it's like on the sides of my driveway. So it's coming. It's just taking a while. Okay. Well, yeah, that's good. So you, uh, really, you had a, a prairie snowstorm and it just, uh, just hasn't gone away. So we keep getting more, but at least yours is going down. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, I haven't even been skiing because we haven't had new snow in like at least three weeks up at the ski hills and it's been above zero up at the ski hills every afternoon. So the snow is like ice up there. Oh, lovely. So yeah, that wouldn't make for a lot of fun, would it? No, I'm really glad I didn't buy a season's pass this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Okay, Canada. Um, your humble co-hosts were searching high and low, trying to find other news stories, because, you know, we like to bring you stories that perhaps not everybody is talking about, but literally everybody is talking about the Freedom Convoy around the world. So, on the show today, a minute or two on the Freedom Convoy, Candace Bergen, flip-flops, provinces suddenly announcing reopening plans, and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's get the easy ones out of the way. Let's talk about the Freedom Convoy. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's start with Candace Bergen's flip-flop in. That's a good idea. So Candace Bergen has, as of today, I believe, would be her 12th day as the leader of the official opposition and interim leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, has already flip-flopped well, twice for sure. I thought I had, I had, there was a third one, but I can't remember what it was. So we're going to go with two flip-flops from Candace Bergen. Not necessarily a bad thing. One of her first tasks as the leader of the official opposition was to say that we support the Freedom Convoy, and some of her MPs had actually been out with the Freedom Convoy, Pierre Polyev being, being one, and uh, herself saying, yes, she's in support. And there were MPs from other regions as well who had gone out to 
to take pictures with the Freedom Convoy. And then until once the Ambassador Bridge became blockaded and suddenly it was affecting Ontario jobs, Miss Bergen flip-flopped and said, it is time for you guys to go home. You made your point. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, and I, I do have a different view on this. Um, I think that, like, I, I, I totally understand what she's saying. Um, I think anybody that has to live with that protest happening around them all the time is probably very tired of it. Um, and, I mean, she she is right in that their message has been sent and it has been heard. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm thinking that she's, she's, she's in a different place than she was before she became leader. Um, before she became leader, she, she could afford to be a little more idealistic. Um, as the leader, you have to make sure that you can appeal to a larger, broader, um, group of people, uh, for support. And, She's probably seeing the same polls you and I are seeing, which is there is this freedom convoy may have a lot more support than uh, a lot of people want to admit, but it is also helping drive that wedge between Canadians even deeper. Um, in that, I mean, almost two thirds of Canadians actually support using the military to remove these protesters um according to the poll i don't know how accurate that poll is i mean it is angus reed but um but according i think it's angus reed anyway but according to that poll almost two-thirds of canadians support using the military to remove the protesters so she's probably seeing that same polling information and thinking who uh we can't be seen to be a hundred percent on side with this well, fair enough, although I, I will take, take you uh, to task on one part of that. Possibly, yes, the Freedom Convoy has indeed made their point, but the point has not been delivered to the top because restrictions are still in place. Justin Trudeau still wants to blow them off as a bunch of yahoos from the hinterlands and is doing absolutely nothing even to address their demands let alone to meet their demands and simply lift some mandates. Now, a lot of the, the protesters have said, hey, you know what? End, end the mandates, end restrictions, and we're out of here. And Justin Trudeau has just said, you're a bunch of racists. Get lost, you, you bunch of rubes. So Justin Trudeau could end this tomorrow. Oh, yeah, he absolutely could. And, and I mean, the thing is, is that, well, here's the problem with that. And is that Justin Trudeau cannot be seen to cave to the truckers and to this convoy. He can't be seen to cave to them. He can't. It, it will. He'll lose his job. Period. He will be done. If he does that, he will have to resign. There's nobody that will support him after that. Well, he caved um, to BLM with no problem. Yeah, but that, that's a that's a liberal and left wing movement. Oh, right. There is that double standard in Ottawa, isn't there? 
Oh, there's a double standard in all politics. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter what side you're on, there's a double standard. I mean, the the thing is, is that he can't be seen to do that. because So he's got to resist it. So as long as the protests remain, he is not going to cave. And and I think that that might be something that that Candace Bergen might be might be thinking as well is that as long as these people are protesting, he will not do anything to change the mandates. So because he'll be seen to have caved into the protest, and he'll be he'll be tossed out with the dishwater. Right? Um, he's got to save face, and he can't. He just can't capitulate. I see your so point. Think, so I once see. they leave, give it another week or so, and then he'll drop the man, drop some mandates, and then a few weeks, a couple weeks after that, he'll drop more mandates, and he can then he can say, I "Had nothing to do with the protests. This was based on science." Well, <laughs> and I I could see him saying that. Yes, he would definitely say, "Yes, it's we've." following the science, yada, yada, yada. Now, the Conservatives in Bloc got together to uh, make a motion in the House. Emotions mean absolutely nothing in the House of Commons. They have no enforcement value whatsoever, Canada. They are nothing but theatre. But in this particular theatrical performance, the Bloc and the Conservatives got together and got a motion passed to ask the government to end all mandates by the end of February. Again, that is just emotion that means absolutely nothing in the House of Commons, but symbolically, a motion is passed asking the government to end restrictions in, well, I guess in 15 days, at the end, by the 28th. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's, it, you're right, it is just political theater. I mean, there's, there's, these motions mean nothing. And, and, I, and I suppose that that is part of the problem with Canadian politics and our political system is that these motions do mean nothing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, like the motion, for example, to recognize the, the Uyghur genocide in China and the Liberal government chose not to vote on said motion. So, yes, it passed, but it's not binding. Well, and the motion that was passed to um, make a decision on Huawei... Oh, uh, yeah, because that... that uh, there was nothing that came of that either. That's right. I mean, this is... I mean, as you, I mean all we, we, we know this from, from experience. I mean, we have plenty of experience in these past six years of the Trudeau government punting the ball down the road. I mean, they, they continuously do that because they don't like making decisions. And because then they might actually be held responsible for something. Yeah, that's right. So... Uh, <laughs> All right, so let's go to Candace Bergen's other flip-flop, which I applaud her for, and I think most of you will too, Canada. On the Roy Green Show yesterday, Candace Bergen announced that, well, now that Aaron O'Toole is gone, so is Aaron O'Toole's carbon tax. The Conservative Party, until a new leader is sworn in at least, is now once again opposed to the carbon tax and wishes to repeal the current carbon tax. Good. Yep, I think that's a fantastic move, and I think that part of it probably has to do with Candace Bergen's own riding. In her riding of Portage-Liscar, which is uh, in southwestern Manitoba, the 
People's Party of Canada had the highest showing of any of their candidates across the country. In the last election, Candace Bergen still won in a landslide. Let's get that out of the way. But the People's Party was second in her riding with 21% of the vote. So I think part of this is looking over her shoulder saying, um, this is good for me. And another part saying, all of our base says, F you carbon tax. So she's uh, made a really, really smart move. Yeah, and I and I don't know that this is so much um, uh, a personal what's best for her decision. I think this is just a what's best for Canadian decision. I mean, look at look at the cost of living right now. I mean, it's getting so out of control, and a big part of that is the carbon tax. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I can tell you in BC here, like the carbon tax is a big, big chunk of why the cost of living is going up. Um, all through the pandemic with people losing their jobs and bu- small businesses losing money left, right and center and, and all of that, they raised our carbon taxes. Both, like, I think it was 3% or something like it was, I mean, they, 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 this carbon tax is like the most important thing in politics. And it's, I don't understand. I mean, we just went through a freaking pandemic. And yet during the pandemic, it was important that we raise the carbon tax. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So, um, so good move on her part. Now, as a transition to talking about restrictions being lifted, I do want to point out that, there is some good news in Ottawa. The House of Commons actually voted in a majority to suspend the cell phone surveillance of Canadians. So the Public Health Agency of Canada can't track your cell phones anymore, Canada. So, hey, thanks. Yeah, I always found that to be a strange one in the first place. Well, yeah, I mean, they, of course, were saying it was definitely altruistic in nature because it was to help with any kind of future pandemics to for i think it was originally designed for contact tracing is what they were trying to spin to us but there was no need to be tracking the whereabouts of 33 million canadian cell phones no and and the fact that health canada was the one who was allowed to do the tracking just blows my mind like it's i i I just I can't believe the stuff that the government has gotten away with during this pandemic. I yeah. mean, everything, everything from locking people in their homes to forcing people to lose their jobs to sinking small businesses to tracking every movement of its, uh, of its populace to, uh, having us upload our personal health information to an app and to restricting where we're allowed to eat or shop based on medical decisions. I mean, this is, you want to know, I mean, our listeners know why the Freedom Convoy is as big as it is and the, and the protests across the country are as big as they are. But to those who don't understand, I I don't understand you. 
yeah, that's actually a really, really good way to say it. And um, all right, so we'll move on from there and we'll talk about provinces are suddenly announcing an end to restrictions and, and mandates. And note, this has nothing at all to do with the Freedom Convoy or border blockades or anything. Provinces just on their own has suddenly decided that quickly they're going to start ending restrictions. So let us start with Alberta. Alberta has decided that there is no vaccine passport requirement for entering restaurants, gyms, etc. And that was as of this past Thursday, February 10th. And also as of February 10th, suddenly no masks necessary for our students and schools and the mask mandate in general and all capacity restrictions for public venues will be gone on March 1st. So essentially the entire province will be opening back up except for long-term care homes. Now, when I say that, I thought immediately there were two flunkies with a, a podcast back in March of 2020 saying, hey, you know what? Let's protect our care homes and let everybody else get to work. I know it sounds... Does it sound familiar to you, Lewis? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, if I remember correctly, the two flunkies on the podcast were um, uh, Lewis and Tony. Those guys. That's right. So thanks for taking two years to catch up, Alberta, but you're finally on board with where we were two years ago. Yeah, well, at least somebody is. Yep, and, they, and honestly, they're the only ones that have gone that far. Now, Saskatchewan has announced that the vaccine passport will be done as of February 15th, so or 14th, sorry, that's tomorrow. So tomorrow morning at 12.01, there'll be no more vaccine passport in Saskatchewan. And then the public health order and masking requirements will all be gone February 28th. So Saskatchewan opens up fully on February 28th. So great. Um, I think, I'm, I mean, I, I applaud these moves. I really do. And we'll move on to Manitoba as we keep going east. No vaccine passport, quote, in most places on March 1st. I don't even know what that means. It means most places, Tony. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. So... <laughs> And the mask mandate will end on March 15th. And then capacity restrictions for public venues and whatnot will be gone February 15th. So that's this coming Tuesday. So, hey, Winnipeg Jets season ticket holders, you're all back in again. Yeah, I um, I, I felt like doing a scene out of Napoleon Dynamite when you said that. <laughs> like, Oh, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> it means most places, stupid. That's right, duh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's funny because you didn't mention BC in there. I did not. And in fact, I, I won't mention Ontario either. And the only next place is Quebec, who is very timidly moving forward. They're not dropping their vaccine passport in Quebec but at least they're only limiting it to two doses and they are not going to tax the unvaccinated. And February 28th, mostly opening up. Now, here's the, the, the important thing that I didn't actually realize was still a thing. Alberta and Quebec still have work-at-home orders for public servants and their 
bureaucrats and whatnot. And those orders will be lifted March 1st. That uh, In Alberta, they've said that they will encourage uh, workers to go back to the office, but won't be mandated. And Quebec has essentially said the same thing. They said they'll no longer be required to work from home. But well, that's it. Nobody else is opening I, well, up. No, I, I believe PEI has announced that they'll be loosening restrictions as well. Oh, okay. No, that I did not hear. So thank you for yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but BC, uh, you left them out um, probably on purpose. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because BC has decided on the same day that Alberta announced that they were dropping their Vax passport and mask mandate, BC announced, oh, we're going to add more professions to our vaccine mandate. (laughs) I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but yes, they did. And you know what's ridiculous is that for how long during this pandemic were we saying, man, BC is doing the best job in this country of managing the pandemic? Almost all along, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now... Um, I'm going to flip flop. <laughs> I'm going to join Candace Bergen and Aaron O'Toole and I'm going to flip flop. And, um, BC is no longer managing this the best in, in Canada. Uh, in fact, they're, they're far from best in, in <laughs> from managing this in Canada. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they extended the vaccine passport to June 1st which is completely against what anybody else is doing. And yeah, now they, uh, and then BC was the province, by the way, that fired 4,000 healthcare workers who refused to get the jab, which actually has turned into a good thing uh, because Ezra Wellness is now in business. But yeah, BC just seems to put their finger in the wind and say, we're going to go against the wind instead of with. Yeah, we're, we're becoming the, the province that's backwards now. Um, BC has added, I believe it's like two dozen professions to the vaccine mandate. Um, everything from naturopath doctors, if you can call a naturopath a doctor, um, (laughs) uh, to massage therapists and, um, chiropractors and any anything where you have to touch somebody or be in the same room as somebody basically i mean it's it's like they've added so many people to this vaccine mandate and right at the end like when and during a time where we know the vaccine the vaccine does not protect against omicron um I mean, Omicron is a, like, vaccine-escaped variant. Like, it just doesn't, the vaccine doesn't affect it at all. That's right. And and we are suddenly adding to our vaccine mandate when everyone else is starting to drop, like, vaccine passports and mask mandates and all of that. And, And we're just piling on. We're doubling down. Yeah, it's uh, it really is a step backwards, isn't it? Oh, big time, and it and it's really frustrating. I mean, there's even pro like freedom protesters that have targeted uh, the winery that that 
Dr. Bonnie Henry is on the uh, uh, is is part of the ownership group, and um, yeah, that's frankly, going too far. Frankly, I, I do think that that's gone too far. Um, you're not going to gain any support from the general public from from that. Um, you, you're not going to gain my support for that either. I mean, she is a part of the ownership group. She is not the owner. And I don't even believe she's a majority owner. She's a minority owner of that of that winery, and the people working there have nothing to do with her or her decisions. Um, but this is just—it it just blew my mind. Like I, I, I went from elation to uh, anger in about 15 minutes on, uh, on Wednesday or Thursday last week when, when they announced this, it was like, I just, because I went from elation from hearing about Alberta dropping all their mandates to, uh, like 15 minutes later, BC going, Oh yeah, you know what they're doing in Alberta? Yeah. Well, we're not going to do that. We're going to do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was just like I just lost my mind. I was I was walking around the house. I was swearing. I was yelling. I was just I was so angry. And uh, and it's it's just ridiculous. I, I I don't know what they're thinking. No, I totally agree with you. Now, um... no, I can say that that our premier. I think this. I think this might not. I think this might be more political than actual. Uh, public health, um, because our premier has made it very clear that he has a, he has nothing but disdain for the protesters, and um, uh, I mean he even said we're not going to drop mandates just because of just because of uh, a few honking cars. Well, if he checks his Twitter account, the word honk is actually trending because the people can tweet out honk in support of the Freedom Convoys. <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, let's talk he, about... Let's... He's, he's, uh, he's a little delusional, I think, uh, as to the scale of the protesting. I don't think he understands how, how widespread this is. I mean, every single community in BC protests every Saturday and Sunday um, for the past like three or four weekends now. I mean, it's just, it's the protesting's everywhere. Yep. That's right. And we'll uh, actually, before we talk about the protest, Lewis, make a note. I want to ask you a question about Justin Trudeau to wrap up our show. All right. That's okay. all. I'm, that's all I'm going to tease out Canada, but that's how we're going to wrap up the show today. So, all right, so on to the convoys. Um, you'd heard my rant a couple of days ago talking about how the convoy and the protests are actually growing across Canada. It's no longer just an Ottawa thing, and it's no longer, as Lewis had said on our last show, uh, just a, a provincial capital thing. It is now expanded to border crossings across the country. The Windsor Ambassador Bridge is the most famous one. The Coots, Alberta is another one where Canada Border Services Agency, CBSA, has actually ceased operations at the Coots border crossing for the time being. There is another blockade at the Emerson-Manitoba border crossing, which is the busiest port in Manitoba and one of the busier ones in Canada for that matter. 
And now, I discovered yesterday, uh, another border blockade heading toward the Pacific Highway crossing in Surrey, B.C. So don't think this movement is not growing. Now, Lewis, another thing you had pointed out when uh, we recorded our show that didn't record uh, was that every single person, well, okay, 33 million Canadians all have access to a camera and a video recorder in their pocket. And what we're seeing is a lot of peace, love, dancing, and dining together. What we're not seeing is the violent hordes hammering at the gates. So it's only media outlets like True North or, say, The Rebel, Post Millennial, or Canadian Common Sense who are actually bringing you what's really going on. CBC and CTV are still on the vein. Well, I guess I shouldn't say CBC anymore, as what you told me yesterday, but the main, mainstream media outlets still seem to be on the vein that this is just a small fringe minority with unacceptable views. Yeah, and I think that what you're seeing is, um, I mean, I saw Justin Trudeau talking yesterday where he said, we still, we have, a, a, we are still very concerned about viol- possible violence at these protests and all this. And I'm like, okay, they've been going on for over three weeks, and there's yet to be a single act of violence. That's right. Yep. And and, and yet our prime minister keeps talking about how. They're 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 very the, the acts of violence are very concerning and that they're they're very worried about about violence breaking out and all this and it's like um, it hasn't happened in over three weeks it's not going to start now no that's uh, in right in fact this protest has gotten um I would say less tense. I would say it's become, there's been a, more of a party atmosphere than anything in the past week. I mean, they've got bouncy castles at the at Parliament Hill. They've, you know, they've got um, community cookouts, basically. Uh, they've got DJs. Um, they're singing like, Oh Canada. Yeah, they're singing Oh Canada every couple hours. There's, uh, you know, and and, and it's, it's unbelievable that there's still people out there that every time the prime minister says, oh, you know, we're, we're very concerned about the acts of violence. And um, they go, yeah, we are too. We're so worried about the acts of violence. I mean, there's still people out there that swallow this up three weeks later. I mean, there hasn't been any. Everybody's got a camera in their pocket. We've seen nothing. And, and like you said, you mentioned that I had said something about CBC. Um, CBC, yesterday I was watching CBC's coverage of, of the protests, and it was fairly accurate. Um, there was, I didn't see too much in the way of dishonesty or anything like that. The reporters that were on the ground were giving a really good, accurate account of what was happening. Um, wow, the it was the in like the, uh, the 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 anchor that was you know trying to do her best to spin things, but 
even she couldn't do a, a, a too much of a spin job because the facts just don't back it up and they and people people are starting to see that um i didn't I, one, of the, one of the funniest moments I, I, I saw yesterday while watching it on CBC was they, uh, CBC had the president of the uh, association that represents all the duty-free stores at the border between Canada and the U.S. Oh, and yeah. airports. Yeah, yeah and, uh, <laughs> and she said... The change that we are fighting for, and the and the and the anchor says, "I heard you say the word we. Uh, are you supporting the uh, the protests?" And uh, and, the, and the president of the of the uh, group was she she was very you know diplomatic, and she said, "We support dropping all mandates." Awesome. And the. Uh, she didn't come right out and say that they support the protesters, but they, she said we support dropping all mandates. And the anchor was really um, dumbfounded because she was expecting <laughs> that, that they were going to be against the protests because people weren't able to use the duty-free stores because of the blockades at the at the uh, border crossings. But what this anchor forgets to uh, just forgets period is that the duty free stores have been shut for almost two years because of, because of government mandates. Well, that's true. Yeah. You're right. The border so, was border was closed. So. There are very few businesses in Canada who would be more on board with, with these with the protests and the demands for uh, men, these mandates to be dropped, then uh, then businesses that have been shut down for two years. Yep, no, you're absolutely right, and uh, and it's not just businesses that are uh, showing some quiet support. The Ottawa Police uh, Service has actually decided they're going to stand down and just effectively keep the peace, which isn't very hard. Their request for more officers, they requested 1,800 additional officers. None have shown up. And Justin Trudeau just said, quote, what is needed will be provided. Well, <laughs> I guess they, they don't need any extra officers. There was a group of uh, Canadian Armed Forces veterans who decided to take down the fence that was around the war memorial. And uh, watching a video, again, from one of those 33 million Canadian cell phones, they very neatly took the fence apart, construction fence, stacked it all up nicely, and then uh, all that happened was an Ottawa police officer watching them just said, okay, well, you guys are responsible for cleaning it up now. <laughs> yeah. That's what well, they were doing before. That's what, exactly what they were doing before, yeah, <laughs> before the fence was put up. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I both know that that fence was put up to make it look like the protesters were were being disrespectful or trying to damage the war memorial. Right. I mean, there was there was video of, I believe, one person who was standing on the, uh, the tomb of the unknown soldier. That's right. Tintin, and uh, that person, by the way, from Ottawa. Oh, well, there we go. Um, it's like there, there the the people who were all arrested for mischief uh, on that first day of protests, because there were a, there were a handful of bad apples, which there will be in a group of ten to twenty thousand people. 
Um, I mean, all you have to do is go to a hockey game to see that. That's right. Uh, they, um, all of the people who were arrested for mischief on that first uh, weekend were all from Ottawa. Wasn't that interesting? Now, as a side note, Canada, this is something that's rather important to know. The first weekend of the protest, it was discovered, and I can't remember the news outlet that, that was able to uncover this. Leadership in, on, in Ontario and Ottawa, well, Doug Ford was out snowmobiling that week, first weekend of the protest. Justin Trudeau was allegedly skiing. So uh, I, I guess there was really a big concern about that protest. He was skiing? Apparently he was skiing, yep. I thought he was in hiding because of COVID, because he tested positive for COVID. That's well, that's what I had heard too, but yeah, there was a news outlet that broke out. And to be fair, maybe it was weekend number two of the protest, so maybe I've got my dates wrong, but uh, at any rate, the two leaders who would be have the largest interest in the protest decided that, yeah, a little winter recreation was a little more important on that particular weekend. Wow. You know, see, it's interesting because it's kind of like the, uh, you know, when Justin Trudeau told everybody that they weren't allowed to travel for Christmas and then you find out that his plane flew to the uh, Caribbean. Yeah. um, And nothing ever came of that. And, And then you've got these protests and Justin Trudeau saying that, you know the threat of violence is is so uh, high that that you know we need to we need to dismantle the protesting and everything. But hey, while you're doing that, I'm gonna go skiing. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's it, this is a guy that you he doesn't he's not serious. He is not a serious person. He doesn't take his job seriously. He doesn't even want to be prime minister. I mean, the guy just is in love with himself and and is in love with the adoration and the power that comes with his position. And he's, he's a narcissist to the nth degree. And I think that, that that's just becoming more and more painfully obvious every single day. Yeah. Now, you mentioned on the show a few different times how he you know, is not a serious prime minister at all. And boy, oh boy, is he ever make that apparent and i don't know if it's just that he so much believes his own bs that he just assumes everybody else does because as you say he is a narcissist but i mean canadians finally are starting not to buy his bs we've now had i believe it's at least two possibly even three of his own mps have now spoken out and said yeah this probably is a little heavy-handed, these mandates, and, hey, maybe it's time to start uh, easing back a little bit. And one of those was uh, the his Quebec caucus chair, and another one was Yves Robillard. I can't remember what his position is, but, I mean, we're not talking about backbenchers here. No, and the other one is, uh, is Housefather. Right, Anthony Housefather. That's right, thank you. Yeah, Anthony Housefather, and that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I mean, Anthony Housefather is, he's not, he's not a backbencher. No, that's right. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's actually a close friend and confidant of, of Mr. Justin Trudeau. So. And has been one of his biggest uh, defenders. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the... Uh, and on the committees that he's on, he's one of the one of the people that that uh, um, always 
you know, plays defense by, you know, I mean, you watch, if you watch, like, he's a chair, he's the chair of the finance committee. Oh, was it? Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember which committee he was the, the chair of, but uh, no, not the finance committee. Um, oh, man, I can't remember which one it was, but he was part of um, uh, some of these uh, committee investigations into uh, we and into Jody Wilson Raybould and, and all this. And he's one of the he's one of those MPs that would that would just act as a uh, as as a, a a brick wall for getting anything investigated right and so i mean he's he's always been a Justin Trudeau supporter and and everything and then so for him to come out i mean it's not like it's uh like it's uh um you know one of the senior cabinet ministers or like uh the, the the minister of finance or or something like that that's coming out and, and saying this but he's one of justin trudeau's close friends and that's why this is his him coming out and doing this is is such a big deal yeah that's right so, uh so we'll be we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that as time goes on now uh ontario as a province has declared a state of emergency over these peaceful protests. And of course he has. Yes, because of course it's affecting auto sector jobs in Windsor, well, not just in Windsor, but in Southern Ontario. And the Michigan governor has said, hey, Canada, you've got to deal with this because it's affecting us too. So the, uh, the Windsor police decided they better break up this blockade until they actually moved in on it. And more and more protesters just kept showing up throughout the day. A line of Canadian Armed Forces veterans, again, decided that we are going to stand at the front of the line and, you know, directly in front of the police. And the police decided, yeah, you know what? We're just going to hold the line and stand right here. So I guess thank you for your service again, these Canadian Armed Forces veterans. Yeah. And, uh, uh, oh, sorry, before I continue, I just wanted to say, Anthony House's father was the uh, is the chair of the Justice and Human Rights Committee. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's declaring a state of emergency over this is kind of um, over a little, the top. A little over the top. Yeah. <laughs> a little over the top. But I mean, I understand. You know, the border crossings uh, and, and uh, needing to to break those up and get those moving so that, you know, um, people don't lose their jobs because, because goods can't get across the border. Well, they're um, just getting diverted. It's not, not that they can't get across the border. It's just that now they've got to try and go to Sarnia or Fort Erie yeah, and it's inconvenient yeah, as I, hell, right? I understand that they are getting diverted, but it's not, and everything isn't getting across. That's, that's, and, that's right. One of the one of the things that isn't uh, is um, fruit and vegetable growers in California are saying we're not loading up our reefers and sending them to Ontario because um, we don't know if they're getting across the border or not, and all that food will spoil. Yeah, that that that's right. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean they're looking for 
alternate border crossings now and but i mean you can only send so many produce trucks through say sault st marie and then uh have to have them come across on northern ontario right so yeah exactly so i mean i i understand you know that they the the, the, getting those border crossings open again is is really important, but at the same time, you guys shut them down for two years. I mean, yeah, you were letting the trucks across, but you shut those borders for two years. Don't act like you give a crap now. Boy, that's a that's a really good way to say it. I mean, and right now, now with the state of emergency, they are. Uh... You heard Justin Trudeau, Canada, if you're watching the news, say that there will be very severe consequences if we, uh, we, if we don't break these up. And the Ontario government has said, yeah, well, there could be fines of up to $100,000 if you are caught blocking critical infrastructure, which is severe. Hey, I'm not uh, going to diminish that at all. What I do think is funny is that they're also trying to threaten that they'll bring in child services to take these truckers' kids away and they're going to suspend your license and you'll have a criminal record and you won't be able to work. And I thought, well, they can't really take away your driver's license just for spite. I mean, there has to be some legal reason why. But it just tells me they're getting desperate and they don't know what to do. The left wants a violent protest because then they can call in the police and break it up because they know how to respond. They don't know how to respond to a bunch of people holding hands and singing Oh Canada. They just don't know what to do. And I think it's hilarious to watch this. Yeah, and I mean, if you watch any of the coverage of the Windsor protest yesterday, the police were, the police were, had a line formed. And they're chatting and talking to the protesters and shaking hands with them and, and all that because, you know, I... I think the police are in the same boat. They don't know how to deal with this. No, if, it's, it's, if, it's a love-in. If, if the protests actually got violent, they know how to deal with that. They bring in the riot gear, right? And and the riot squad, and they deal with it that way. And But, but because nothing's getting violent, there's no threat of violence at all. They don't know how to deal with it. Now, the Windsor protest has been broken up. It's been cleared out as of this morning. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, well, the protest, the, the protest of the, uh, uh, the Pacific Coast uh, Highway um, crossing here in BC, that one, they, they pushed through a police barricade to set up, to, to get the protesters in. Oh, they yesterday. did get through, okay. Yeah, they got through, but they pushed through an RCMP blockade. Oh. Um, so that one, they, I don't support that. No, that's not cool. No. Um, that, and you're not going to get any general support from people because, you know, by doing stuff like that either. Um, but in Ontario, state of emergency because of people singing out Canada. Yeah, that's right. And also in Ontario, the... Supreme Court of Ontario granted a permission to the Ontario government to freeze any monies from Give, Send, Go to, from getting to the convoy. Give, Send, Go actually fought back, unlike Go Fund Yourself, I mean Go Fund Me. Give, Send, Go said, um, you actually don't have jurisdiction to tell us, an American-based company, who we can and cannot give money to. So, uh, yeah, it, they're, they're taking it to court. They're fighting back. So I, uh, I say... Good on you, Give Send Go. Yeah, 
Good on you for sure. Um, I mean, this is this is getting a little out of control. I mean, they, you can you can tell that the that the politicians are grasping at straws now. Oh yeah, they're desperate as hell. Yeah, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to deal with this. Well, here's a thought: drop the mandates, and they'll all go home. Exactly, and they've been clear right from the start. We're here because we want an end to mandates. Oh, well, um, well, well, what if we just ask you guys to leave? Well, hey, we'll leave if you end mandates. Um, well, what if we call you racists? God, uh, can we be more clear? End the mandates. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's all it's going to take. End the mandates. Everybody can go home. Uh, and uh, we can all move on with our lives. I mean, the science says that that's the right thing to do. There we are, following the science on Canadian common sense. Absolutely yeah. right. Yep. Okay, now I want to bring up one more thing before we uh, talk about our friend Justin Trudeau again. In Alberta, um, and this ties in with your rant from uh, last week, Lewis, when you talked about the Canadian flag being a symbol of hate, there was a man in Alberta who decided he was going to fly a Canadian flag in the box of his truck. Like, and you're seeing protesters all across the country doing that. And it's not just protesters, it's patriots who decided they want to want to show some pride while driving through, uh, you know, a protest parade, for example. This man was pulled over by the RCMP and handed a $567 fine for stunting because that Canadian flag in the back of his truck could distract other drivers. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, that it, it's stunting to put a Canadian flag in the back of your truck. Speaking of grasping at straws. Wow. Wow, that's right. Well, it's like the Ontario uh, police arresting that little old man for honking his horn. Well, that's right, yeah. It, that's right, yeah. Did you see the video of that? I, it's I did see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they were uh, actually, because he tried to drive away, they backed up, basically ran, ran into the front of his truck and then dragged him out of there. It was, uh, it was a, little ex a little excessive, yes. Yeah, very disturbing. He was a little, little old man, and I mean little. Like, he was probably barely taller than five feet tall. And he was a, a an elderly fellow, and they, you know, they twisted his arm up behind his back and... Um, and it was, it was actually quite disturbing. Yeah. I mean, again, that's when discretion becomes a better part of valor being, yes, we've asked you not to honk horns, but, um, yeah. And the guy, and he was, I think in his late seventies, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't even anywhere near parliament Hill. That's the crazy part. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So all this culminates into, uh, Pierre Polyev talked about a poll suggesting that only 18% of Canadians would vote for Justin Trudeau today if there were an election. I think it was a Maru poll. I don't actually buy it. I think the number would be higher than that. But I wanted to ask you, Lewis, is Justin Trudeau going to keep his job? Um, that's a loaded question. That's why um, I wanted to save it for the end. So. Yeah. <sighs> Let me put it this way. I would not be surprised if he stepped down tomorrow. Um, 
but I also wouldn't be surprised if he held on for two more years. Um, I mean, the, the, the biggest problem with Justin Trudeau is that he's an extreme narcissist. Uh, so he will hold on to this job as long as he can. Um, but could his own caucus turn on him and force his re- resignation? Yes, absolutely. And um, I'm not sure if I really want that uh, because I, I kind of want him to be in the next election because he cannot defend his actions the past this past month. Um, but there's a segment of the population that will vote for Justin Trudeau no matter what he does. And we've seen that with we and uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and all the corruption that he's been responsible for or taken part in, and people still vote for him. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, people don't like Christy Freeland, and she is most likely going to be the next leader. Oh, for sure uh, she is. She's not a likable person, and I don't know anyone who likes her. She has no charisma at all. Where I mean, that's something that Justin Trudeau does have sometimes when he's on script. Um, but she has no charisma at all. Uh, so maybe it is better for Canada if... Justin Trudeau steps down and she is the person that takes over and the conservatives, you know, have someone like Pierre Polyev, uh, at the helm. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. That's a, such, it's an, a really difficult question to answer. I can definitely see him doing everything he can in his power to hold on because of his narcissism. Um, but I can also see fracture, fractures in the Liberal Party and in their caucus right now um, that could spell the end for him. And, uh, and, and honestly, I hope it does. Yeah, well, and see, that that's kind of the angle I wanted to go on was the caucus divide, because that's one thing with the Liberals and leftists in general. They always seem to, to manage to find a way to stay in lockstep. There's not very often dissension in their ranks, especially the Liberal Party. And now seeing that some cracks are starting to form in that caucus, that made me think that, yeah, you know what, maybe this is finally what uh, what actually damages the, the, the Trudeau shine. Like, uh, being, he obviously put on Teflon before he put on the blackface because that certainly didn't stick to him. And, exactly. you know, and so there's... And, and you and I have asked on the show many times, like, what does he have to do for people to stop loving him? And I wonder if maybe this is it. Like, I, uh, like you, I mean, you said this before too, that, you know, every time we think that, oh man, this, that, this has gotta, gotta hurt him. Nothing sticks to him, but this might very well be the one thing that does. So, uh, I like you, I don't know that he will necessarily lose his job directly because of this, but I, uh, I'm thinking that there's a caucus revolt coming. So I wouldn't be surprised if say by the summer, he decides that, okay, maybe it's for the best that, uh, that Christian take over. And on that positive note, (laughs) that's right. What a great way to wrap up the show. We, uh, we're 
at our time anyway, well, past our time, but it's important stuff to talk about, Canada. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. We will wrap it up there. And look, you can probably look forward to a rant or two in the coming week. But until next week, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada.